new series today and a new book in the Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. This is the second book, the book of Exodus. Genesis and Exodus. If you brought a Bible, you can turn there now, find it on your phone. If you need a copy of God's word, let us know. We'd be happy to provide a Bible for you. And the book of Exodus, that word means a way out. This is freedom in Jesus' name. And we're going to not only read about, discover, but live out this freedom together in this series. And chapter one is about the wisdom of fearing God. The wisdom of fearing God. As we start February, we're celebrating last month what God did through prayer and fasting. We start the year intentionally that way. And a lot of you have asked, how can that continue? What does that look like? One of the resources we have now is the digital prayer wall, interactive prayer wall. And I'll tell you personally, I'm so grateful because I'm dropping prayer requests on there and hundreds of people are on the digital prayer wall. And I don't have another place where I can go and just know all these people are praying like this. And the staff is doing the same. The elders are doing the same. So if you want and you're thinking, how can I pray for our church? Just go to the digital prayer wall, sign in. You're gonna see all the updates, requests, and start to pray. You can also post and what you see happening overseas, what you see happening in our nation, what you see happening in our city. Put those prayer requests in and we're all joining together. We join together in person during the week for prayer groups, but we also have this resource and we wanna keep growing in our prayers together. So make sure you sign in and then start to interact. Type, you just hit the button, I prayed, and that's gonna encourage somebody that you've lifted them up in prayer. And then what about fasting? That continues, but it's your choice. As always, what do you wanna do? Here's a very simple way that you can continue to have that rhythm and cultivate that habit of fasting. Choose one meal every week. Same day, same meal. And during that time, fast and spend some more time in prayer. Spend some more time in scripture. You just choose that one day and that one meal during the week and you just know that's my time. It's a, it's a rhythm where I'm gonna seek God. Fasting doesn't stop in January. We're continuing to cry out to God together. And also, as we start February, this is Black History Month, which is very significant. And celebrate, check out the stories of leadership and courage of faith in God and how this has shaped our country and what an instrumental part this is in our story. So there's a lot happening that God has already gone ahead of us in February. We're entering in, we're trusting God, we're abiding with Jesus. Let's go to prayer together. Father, thank you that we can gather as your family, brothers and sisters. Father, we wanna grow in our faith. And as we do that, our eyes are on you. Father, you are holy and you are good. And we pray today, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it would be for your glory. God, we wanna turn, we have our eyes on ourselves constantly and we wanna turn and live for you together. And we pray you'd set us free to do that. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Exodus is about God's presence, God's power, and God's promises. When you open up the Bible and you read through this book, there's 40 chapters. This is a rich book. God is working on several levels at the same time like only God can do. Individually, he's helping Moses realize there's a calling on his life. There is purpose. And you have purpose from heaven every single day where you live, work, learn, play. And Moses is stepping into that purpose. And then on a national level, we see the nation, the Israelites, are learning that they have a God who protects, who provides, who is faithful. 
And spiritually, this is about God's character. This is about God's glory. Our lives are about God's glory. And they are growing spiritually to know God better and to know that his guidance is good. In all these ways, we also want to grow. Exodus is a book, the way out, freedom. God sets us free. And he sets us free from sin, from the bondage of sin, the strongholds of sin. He sets us free from attitudes that don't align with heaven. He sets us free from things like worry and fears. He sets us free from despair. He sets us free and the freedom that is in Christ so that we can serve, so we can love one another, so we can worship and we can glorify God. So we can be all God's designed us to be, individually and together. And isn't it good to glorify God? During the week, when you know you're saying or doing something that's bringing God glory, doesn't that light a fire in your soul? Don't you just want to do more of that? Don't you come alive when you glorify God? And that's when you think about the freedom It is for Christ's sake and for his glory that he has set us free. We're going to dive into that freedom. It's our joy to dive into God's word, God's word in us. We abide with Jesus and let's bear much fruit together. In chapter one, there's a clear theme. There's a golden thread in this chapter, the fear of God. And it's wisdom that fears God. The fear of God is foundational in our lives. Foundations are essential. When you think about the tall buildings in downtown Seattle, there's a foundation that's intentionally built and the foundation determines the altitude. If you don't have a strong foundation, don't build a tall building. The foundation determines the altitude. In your marriage, if you're married, the foundation of your marriage will determine how high you soar in marriage. If you're stuck and the ceiling seems low, it's time to check the foundation. The foundation in your walk with God will enable you to walk on the heights. It'll be his power in your weakness and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. If the foundation is the word of God, your house will be like a house on the rock and not the sand. Foundation determines altitude and the foundation of our lives is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is good. It's good Because God's good. If God was not benevolent, the fear of God would not be good. It would not be wise. I realize when you hear that phrase, to fear God, all sorts of different experiences and perceptions are in this room. So I want to bring clarity what it isn't. If you've had parents that have been abusive, physically, emotionally, or sexually, God is not like that. He's the exact opposite of that. And you can separate those people from a good God. If you're here today and you think God hates you and he's against you, I want to reassure you that throughout the pages of the Bible, God is love and God loves you. Not only in word, but in demonstration and in sacrifice. Every time you think about the cross, remember that Jesus knows you're worth dying for. He lays down his life for you. You can trust him. You can fear him. You can revere him. You can respect him fully. The fear of God does not mean avoid God. The fear of God means draw near to God. The fear of God is not hopeless and passive. The fear of God is active and full of hope. It's full of love and it's full of truth. It's a wise decision to fear God. 
Let's take a look at Exodus chapter one. I'm gonna read the first 10 verses as we gain the context. Whenever you read the Bible, it's important to look at the context. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all the generations that died, but the Israelites were fruitful and they multiplied greatly. They became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave this country. As we go through the book of Exodus, 40 chapters, we're gonna go on a journey with God together. Step into freedom together. In these 40 chapters in the book, think of three different locations. The first 12 chapters, this is in Egypt. And that's over the next couple months, that's gonna be the text that we cover. Beyond that, we have the Israelites in the wilderness, chapters 13 through 19. And then we have the situation at Sinai, chapters 20 to 40. And that's an overview of the book. Here in Egypt, what we're reading about is some very unfavorable conditions. There's oppression, there's injustice, and they are right in the middle of it. Maybe as you start this book, you are in some situations that don't feel right, don't feel fair. You know there's some things out of order. There's some things that don't honor God. There's some people that are difficult to deal with. You're in some situations that you're not sure how to navigate. That's right where the Israelites are as we start this book. But they make this most important decision that they will fear God and they will trust God. And that is the most important decision you can make today in your situation is that you will choose to fear and honor and respect God and watch what God will do. We're gonna highlight some aspects of why fearing God is good because I realize in a room this size, there might be a lot of people who aren't convinced and aren't there yet or might need that reminder and that refreshment how good it is to fear God. Here's the first piece. The fear of God courageously follows God's plan. There's a commitment and a courage to follow God's plan and follow his word. We read the name Joseph. That's a story in the book of Genesis, Joseph's story. He had a dream from God, and many of you have dreams from God, and it's a good dream, but not everyone wants to go down that road with that dream that God's given you. In fact, some people want to undermine you, and they want that dream to stop. Joseph had a dream, but his own brothers turned against him. He was forced into slavery, taken to Egypt, and yet he continued to revere God. He was thrown into jail and it was unfair. He didn't commit any crime. He was pure, but he was, again, persecuted and it was part of his faith with God. He wouldn't sin against God and someone else threw him in jail. In jail, people forgot about him. They didn't keep their word. And yet here's the key phrase in Joseph's life. God was with Joseph. And as many people wanna mistreat you, 
don't lose sight that God is still with you. And because of that, God raises Joseph up. He becomes a leader in Egypt. His family then comes, there's reconciliation. And then the generations that start to follow out of God's leadership through Joseph, as we open up the book of Exodus, this is about 400 years later. To give you an overview, if you haven't studied the Old Testament very much, uh, here's a chronological picture. About 2,000 years before Christ, we have Abraham. And then about 1,500 years before Christ, Moses. And about 1,000 years before Christ, David. Here we are in Egypt, about 1,500 years before Christ. It's about 400 years after Joseph is entered. And there's been a multiplication of the Israelites. In the book of Genesis, God says very clearly to his people, be fruitful and multiply. And they were faithful. Be fruitful and multiply. God graced this. God blessed this. The 12 tribes, as we open up the book of Exodus, there's about 2 million people. What an incredible blessing. How many of you know that when blessings are poured out from heaven, opposition arises at the same time? That they are not mutually exclusive, but the more God blesses them and the tribes increase and they're fearing God, here comes the opposition. And that's the tension we feel here. Well, we have opposition that fears and you either fear God or you have anxiety and you fear situations. In your life, you choose every day. Am I gonna fear God or am I gonna fear and worry about situations? You'll do one or the other. Well, they don't fear God and so they fear and worry about situations. And this is the attitude with the leadership in Egypt. They look at the Israelites and they say, they're second rate, they're foreigners. God sees us all equal, but they see them as foreigners and second rate. In addition to that, they're fearful because now look how many Israelites there are. And their imagination starts to travel down roads of fearful roads. And even this speculation or this assumption that if there's a war and it breaks out and our enemies attack us, the Israelites are gonna join our foes and surely we're gonna be defeated and the Israelites will leave. Fear, fear, fear leads to slavery. And we see it here. There's oppression and it's rooted instead of fearing God, there's gonna be a hatred and a cruelty that comes. And yet the Israelites will make the decision to continue to move forward. They're not gonna stay in Egypt. They're gonna move forward by God's strong and gracious hand. I wanna tell you when you fear God in life, you move forward by faith. You don't go backwards, you don't go sideways. Instead, you go forward by faith. God's calling them out of Egypt and it takes faith to take the steps they're gonna take. And where God is calling you, it's gonna take a lot of faith. We walk by faith and not sight. But when you fear God, you trust his word and you walk by faith. It takes commitment and courage, but God will give it to you when you fear God. There's a second truth with fearing God. Fearing God protects kindness. The opposite, the flip side right here. If you don't fear God, there's gonna be a lack of kindness. Look at verse 11 as we learn more about the king. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom 
and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Here's a new king. The new king doesn't know Joseph. The old king respected Joseph. He saw God's miracles. The new king doesn't respect. Doesn't respect Joseph or the Israelites. Doesn't respect God. And when you reject God, you reject kindness. There's no kindness here. There's no fear of God in this passage. He says, let's deal shrewdly with them. What does that look like? Slave masters. That word literally means oppressors. People who hand out heavy burdens, bring misery, and wear other people down. Do you have anyone in your life that's ever brought you burdens, misery, and just worn you down in a way that was not from God? They used them ruthlessly. There was no kindness because there was no fear of God. Let's make this real clear in our life. Kindness is a fruit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have kindness. When we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't have kindness. Kindness requires humility. Pride doesn't bring kindness. Humility brings kindness. To be kind means you need to be humble. Because then you think of other people, not just yourself. You listen to other people. You serve other people. You're kind to other people because you value other people. You're not selfish. You're kind. You're humble. Well, where does humility come from? Fearing God. When you fear God, you're humble. When you're humble, you'll be kind. You stop fearing God. You stop being humble. You stop being kind. Now you're lashing out at other people. Now you've got a temper. Now you've got resentment. Now you've got unforgiveness. Because you stop fearing God, you stop being kind. So come back to fearing God. And fearing God will lead to humility And humility leads to kindness. This king wanted none of that. Let's fear God. Let's learn from this chapter. The fear of God also resists dark agendas. Resists evil agendas. We see evil agendas in this chapter. We see evil agendas today. Recognize them. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Expose the evil. But here we see evil laid out. Verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. We have the two chief midwives, and I was reading about delivery then. Women would be situated on two stones and they would give birth. Midwives would come and help in the process. And there's clear instructions from the leadership of the country that if it's a boy, kill the boy, but let the girls live. Don't miss the progression. The first step was intimidation and then slavery, cruelty, forced labor out in the mud fields, just work them, put burdens on them. That was the first approach, but that's only going so far. So now the, the leader says, let's do something else. It moves from forced slave labor to child extermination. Midwives, 
start killing the boys. Well, Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, we're gonna see a prophecy. A prophecy is where God says it hundreds of years before it happens. And as difficult as that situation was, there is some comfort in remembering what God spoke before this happened. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. That's exactly what happened in Egypt. What else does God say? But I will punish the nation. They serve as slaves and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Here's the hope of God through the prophecy of God. Hundreds of years before it happened, God described it perfectly. What does that tell us? God has the final say. God is sovereign. And that's of great comfort to us to know that we have a sovereign God that still rules and reigns over the most cruel and evil leadership in the world today. Spurgeon says that God's sovereignty is the pillow of comfort that we rest our heads at night so we can have a good night's sleep. God's sovereignty is the pillow and the comfort that we have for our souls to know that I can sleep and rest because God never sleeps. And there's no match for God. And I know how the story ends. So I will rest in the sovereignty of God in the most difficult situations. When kids are getting killed, it doesn't get much more difficult than that. And yet they can remember that the Lord is still good. And we will trust and fear the Lord even when leadership doesn't. We're going to honor God. And this is a foreshadowing also, because when Jesus was born, what was the answer that leadership had? Start killing all the boys. Herod was threatened by this new king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his answer at that time was start killing all the young boys, because if the Messiah is born, if the new king is born, we want him dead, not alive. And nothing really changes because as you fast forward closer to the return of Christ, what you see is the exact same stuff. It's anti-God, anti-Christ, against God, against God's word, against the gospel, against Jesus, against his followers, against Christianity. You see it rise up. Don't be rattled. Don't be silent. Don't be intimidated. Stand with courage. Trust your God and don't give in to the immorality around you or the evil and the darkness around you. Don't give in. Don't give in. The fact is every child is a gift from God. Every child is made in God's image. And every child is good and a blessing. And anytime someone wants to come and wipe out the children, it's not from God. If you fear God, you love children. The reason we have so many children stolen into human trafficking and abused in our country is because there's a lack of fear of God. When you truly respect God, you will love every child. And that's God's heart. And so what we see playing out here is immoral. And when any leader tells you to do something immoral, whether it's your parents, a teacher, an employer, someone in the government, the military, when someone tells you to do something immoral, you say, absolutely not. 
I will honor and respect leadership until there's a demand to do something immoral, and then I will not. And in humility, you firmly stand on the no. It doesn't matter who's in authority, you honor God with a no. It doesn't matter the majority. When the groups of people in middle school and high school are all going one direction, and you've got to decide, the majority's going that way, you say, no, I'm going to honor God and go this way. When everyone in your neighborhood is going that way on Sunday morning, where are you going? No, I'm gonna honor and worship God. When you fear God, you don't need to think, well, should I go worship him today? Like that's just a given because you fear God. You wanna know God. You wanna grow in your walk with God. You don't go with the majority. When the majority says, yeah, this Bible, you can't really rely on it. No, I'm not. I'm not going that direction. This is God's word. This is his truth. You are faced with more situations today than 10 years ago where the majority is going one direction and you've got to decide, I'm going counter-cultural. I'm going against the current right now and with courage, I'm going to say yes to God, no to sin, and I'm going to resist every evil agenda that shows up. The fear of God. say, are there rewards when you fear God? Yes, there's an abundance of rewards in heaven and there are some on earth as well. The fear of God leads to God's favor. When you look at verse 17, how does this play out? The midwives fear God. It says the midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous. They give birth before the midwives arrive. That's a creative answer. That's a creative answer. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. When you fear God, you're gonna be courageous. You're gonna be a hero to different people. You're gonna see lives rescued. You're gonna bring love and you're not gonna overlook those who are overlooked in our culture. The midwives fear God They say, no, we won't kill the boys. And what does God do? God gives them families of their own. God blesses them. They don't kill the kids. Look at what God gives them. What about the Israelites? They fear God and God protects them. They fear God, they have more kids. Now they're two million. God continues to bless them. Many of you in this room have children. What a blessing. Every child is. If you're in a frustration point with your kids, you need to remind yourself with the truth of scripture, this child is a gift from God. And you know what? If you don't have any biological children, what a blessing that you are able to mentor kids, teach kids, build kids up, coach kids. There's so many relationships across this church on a Sunday. Do you know how many people are serving the kids? Grace kids from birth to fifth grade, middle school, high school. We have so many people who know how important the next generation is, genuinely love them and are eager, nothing's forced, to go connect with the kids and pass on what God has given to us. That is wonderful. As you respect God, you're gonna go out of your way to bless the kids. Bless the kids, continue to do that. The fear of God leads to God's favor, but this situation's difficult. 
The fear of God doesn't eliminate difficult situations. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 20, describes it this way. But as for you, the Lord took you, brought you out of the iron smelting furnace. That's the description of the situation. Some of you today feel like you're in an iron smelting furnace. The refiner's fire, you feel it. That was Egypt. Why did he take you out? To be the people of his inheritance as you now are. There's gonna be a great deliverance by the grace of God. And you have a story of how God has graced you, how he's provided, how he's protected, how he's delivered you. You have a story of how Jesus has changed your life. You could say, I was on my way to hell, could not save myself, but before I ever knew anything about God, Jesus already died for my sins. God pursued me. God redeemed me. Jesus bought me back. That's what redemption is. You bought someone back with his blood. You tell your story. I was in this sin, but God has delivered me. I used to, but God gave me freedom. I used to see life this way. This used to be my habit and my pattern. This existed in our family for generations, but look what God has done right now. Don't sit on your story. Don't be silent about your story. All of it brings God glory. When you tell your story, it brings God glory. I know that sounds like a preacher's rhyme. That's not in the notes, but I just want to emphasize how important your story is. It's going to inspire people. It's going to give people hope. There's people in this room right now that don't know if they can ever be sober. But we got stories in this room of how God met you there. And you've got five years, 10 years, 20 years. You've been walking with God and it's his saving power. It's his sustaining power. Tell your story, encourage someone. And don't stay silent. God's telling the story and our stories give God glory. The fear of God is a differentiator. And there's a mismatch. There's a contrast here. When you think about Pharaoh and the Egyptians at the time, and God loves Egypt. Don't ever bring a hermeneutic where, well, God's against Egypt. No, God loves the Egyptians. In every country, there's people who are loving God and there's people who are against God. And the reality here is that Pharaoh was against God. Pharaoh was also the most powerful man in the world against God. There was a nation he led powerful nation. They had an army. They had money. They had resources. What did the Israelites have? They had no army. They had no school, no mayor, no police. They lived up in Goshen. That's not the hub for the Egyptians. They're up in Goshen. They're seen as second rate. They didn't have the weapons. They didn't have the chariots, but you know what they had? They had the fear of God. They had reliance on God. And Pharaoh thought he would be victorious, but he underestimated God. He left out one factor in the equation, and this is God. You never want to leave God out of your plans. You never want to leave God out in your thinking. You never want to leave God out. Pharaoh left God out. And what happens is going to tell the story of someone who goes against God. Proverbs 10, 27 We have wisdom in the book of Proverbs to fear the Lord. It adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. How many of you know someone that died prematurely in the sense that unnecessarily they made a decision and they didn't have to die? But when you lose respect for God, you start making decisions that are destructive. It doesn't have to be that way. 
Jesus said it very clear and very strong in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let's say this all together so it really sinks in. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That tells us that God has the final say. That tells us that it's really not that important comparatively to what people are saying. The gossip's not that important. The opinions are not that important. How people judge us is not that important. You don't have to waste a whole bunch of time and energy trying to keep everybody happy and everybody liking you and everybody approving. That's just a bunch of futile focus, really. But where should our focus be? The only one that matters is the audience of one. The only one that matters is faithfulness to God. And that's the shift we make as we fear God. We still love people. We still listen because we got blind spots and they help us grow. But ultimately, our decisions are based on, God, is this from you? Is the spirit leading this way? Does this align with the word? That's the direction I'm gonna go. And what we see is a, a differentiator here and God shows up on behalf of the ones who fear him. And he sets them free There are more miracles in this book than any other book in the Old Testament. As you look at the Bible, he's the God of miracles. We look back, celebrate his miracles. We look forward in the miracles that are coming. This is the God of miracles who will show up. He knows just how and when and the timing and bringing miracles. No one can stop him from doing it. And this is a key piece to the book of Exodus. Don't miss this because there's a lot of layers and levels. On the one level, you see injustice and you see slavery and it's wretched. And you see the morality and you see a lot of different things on the human level. But what's really happening in the book of Exodus is that there is one true God in the land at that time in Egypt, there are so many false gods. And the real battle is in the heavenlies And it's between the real God and the false gods and it'll be played out and there's so many manifestations of that battle. Don't miss that today. We see things that are terrible in our country. We're grateful for our country and we see things that are horrendous in our country. We see them on the level of sight and how people treat each other. But don't miss it. The main battle in America right now is between God and the devil. It's between Jesus and all the demons. It's between light and darkness. And it comes down to a decision of who will we worship? Who is the real God? And we worship one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the false gods are cruel. They are cruel. There's no life. There's no eternal life. And ultimately what's happening in Exodus is God is showing up and showing out who he is. So the people can see it clearly that he is the real God. He is the good God. And we will choose this God. That's the decision we need to make today. That's the decision. The fear of God increases hope. And here's the final verse of the chapter, verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born amongst you, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. 
So we start with slavery. That didn't get it done. So now let's talk to the midwives about killing all the boys. The midwives refused to do it. Here's the next wave of intimidation. Here's the next wave of persecution. I don't know what's coming in America the next 10 years, but I know it looks a lot different today than it did 10 years ago to follow Jesus. And they take the next step of intimidation and persecution and say, just throw all the boys in the Nile. And you might feel if you were an Israelite at that time, like where's the hope? You might be wondering today, where's the hope? Our situation, we have so many things the Israelites didn't have, but we still feel sometimes like where's the hope? the hope in what we're seeing. And it's seen in a lot of different places. Where is that hope? We have oppression, intimidation, persecution, violent threats. Be encouraged as you read through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter five, the followers of Jesus, they had intense, there, was, there were martyrs, We have Bible translators today. We have countries today. Christians are just killed for their faith. Here's what happened in Acts chapter five. The authorities, the leaders at that time, we give you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. We told you not to say the name Jesus and you just filled Jerusalem with Jesus and the gospel. You are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles, how did they respond when it would have been easy to give up hope? We must obey God rather than human beings. That summarizes fearing God. We must obey God rather than human beings. And what happened? As this plays out and they choose to fear God, we know how the story goes. In the end of Acts chapter five, we read this encouragement. The apostles left the Sanhedrin They were rejoicing because they had been counting worthy of suffering disgrace for the name day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I'll say it so clear. If you fear God, this will be your story. You will follow God and not people. And day after day, whether it's here or it's around the community or in your house, you will never stop passing along your faith, sharing your story, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah day after day. If you fear God, that's how you live. When God's people fear God, cities are filled with Jesus and his glory. And that helps us think through, do I really fear God? There's some in this room who might think, well, I I say I do. I I like that concept. But I'm looking at scripture and I'm kind of wondering how deep my convictions really are. This could be a day where convictions are strengthened. Really biblically fearing God. We don't want American Christianity. We want biblical Christianity. And right now there's a big gap. There's a big gap. And what happens when you start to read the Bible and like the book of Acts and following Jesus, you start to see this gap between American Christianity and biblical Christianity. And the fear of God says, I'm going with God, not the culture. The culture gets lukewarm. God's on fire. I don't want to fall asleep. I want to live for God. We're going to go that way and trust God with the results. Why? Because the fear of God leads to freedom, real freedom. Sin comes to master us. It comes 
steal, kill, and destroy your peace, your joy, your most important relationships. Sin has a price tag. Sin has a cost. Sin is destructive. God sets us free. He gives a way out in every temptation. He breaks the power of sin in your life. He gives you a way out. Jesus removes the penalty of sin for eternity. And ultimately in heaven, there's no presence of sin. There's victories today. There's freedom today. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And we want to walk in this freedom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 talks about fearing God is foundational. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you want to walk in wisdom and freedom, it starts with fearing God. They didn't know how this book would play out. They didn't know. We don't know how this year is going to play out. Amen? We don't even know how tomorrow is going to play out. But we know this. We can make the decision to walk humbly and to fear God. I'm gonna close with a quote thinking about the Emancipation Proclamation and people asked Lincoln at the time, do you think God's on our side? Well, we know God's against mistreatment and was against the slavery that was happening. But they just asked generally, do you think God's on our side? And Abraham Lincoln said, I'm not so concerned if we can get God on our side I want to be on God's side. We waste a lot of time and energy trying to get God on our side. And the response is, let's go, let's be on God's side. And he says it this way, thinking about our country and the history of our country, and I think it's prophetic for today. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years. God has granted us a lot of peace and prosperity, right? He's helped us overcome a lot. And then he says, we have grown in numbers, we have grown in wealth, and we have grown in power as no other nation has ever grown in such a short time. And then here's the key. He says, and this is 1863, he says, but we have forgotten God. When you forget God, you have slavery in the conditions then. Today, our nation will either fear God or forget God. This is a key time in our country. We will either forget God or we will fear God. It starts with God's people in God's house. We don't want to forget God. We want to honor, worship him with reverence and awe, turn from our sin and walk humbly with God and love our neighbors. Don't start finger pointing. Don't leave here finger pointing and saying, well, they forgot God and they forgot God. We just start in our hearts and in our homes and we choose, we'll walk humbly with God and with courage and truth and love and we will fear God. There's no better decision today. Let's pray. Father, we take this moment to slow down Take this silence right now and say, God, search our hearts. Search our homes. If there's any way that doesn't align with you, that's not good, God, change us today. We choose to fear you, to honor your word. God, if there's anything in our homes, in our families, that's not right, We want to honor you. 
God, if there's anything in our dating relationships that's not pure, we wanna honor you. If there's anything that's selfish around using our talents and resources, we wanna honor you. God, if there's anything that's stingy with what you've given us, we wanna honor you. God, if we've been silent about your goodness, we wanna honor you. We wanna honor you today, not just in this place. Forgive us today. Fill us with your spirit, we ask. Fill us with your spirit, God. Treasure in jars of clay. We bow before you. We pray for churches across the sound, God, fearing you united together. We pray for you to move, God, as we honor you with fresh vision and fresh courage, God. We pray for deeper relationships. Listening to your voice, Jesus, you're a good shepherd. We honor you. We fear you.